0: We're in Jude, verses 17 through 25. But you, beloved, if you would stand for reading of God's word, but you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time, who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but on others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. Amen. This is the Word of God. Please be seated. Guess what? This is the last teaching forever, at least in my life, in the book of Jude. And it's a transition from talking about the false teachers to but you and your responsibilities. But you. Last time we're going to be talking about, at least in this book, contending for the faith, but that is a theme that goes all through the scriptures, that we are to contend for the faith, earnestly for the faith, which was once and for all delivered to all the saints. Last week we said, don't be fooled by the false teachers. In review, false teachers are extremely dangerous because they're hard to spot. They're hard to spot. They mix truth with lies, but ultimately if you are really immersed in the word and you are doctrinally sound, you will see that their character will give them away. Character number one, they defile the flesh, and that meant they smear with filth. No restraint on their fleshly urges. That's a character issue. They reject authority. No one will rule over me. And remember, we went through that poem, Ernest Hensley's poem, *Vinvictus*. You know, I am the conqueror of my soul. I am the victor of, I, whatever it goes, I am everything. Well, no, you aren't. And then they speak evil of dignitaries, degrade all who will not embrace their deception. That's a matter of character. So we know that false teachers have a lot of big talk. In verses 9 and 10 last week, we saw that they make reviling accusations. They make slanderous accusations against anyone who doesn't embrace their teachings and their lies. And then the example that was given was Michael the archangel. In disputing with the devil over the body of Moses said, the Lord rebuke you. He didn't get into some reviling accusations. He didn't get into some big argument. He says, the Lord rebuke you. False teachers are like brute beasts, it says in, in Jude. Big talk. They attack, and they will not hear what you have to say, and they don't want to know what you have to say. They re, our job is to refuse to be trapped by their trickery. And we use Jeremiah chapter 5.26. Remember, they set traps, they catch men. That is what false teachers do. They have no respect for God. They have no fear of God. They are like brute beasts who promote fear and control. That is their game. Fear is their game. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says this, Fear of man brings a snare, but those who trust in the Lord will be kept safe. Do not allow fear to dictate your future, folks, and do not allow fear to steal your present. We are not to walk in fear. Fear not. Is all through Scripture. False teachers will one day be judged, and we know that Jesus is coming to make this whole thing right, and that's thank you, Lord. That would be a praise. Thank you. Yeah, so it would be wonderful when that happens. And we know that false teachers do a lot of grumbling and complaining, and they try, to, they try to sell you a future based on flattery. You know what flattery is? Telling you something to win you over to their side, to take advantage of you but yet they are like empty, empty, they have empty words, clouds without rain, trees without fruit. And never, ever forget, it's difficult to identify false teachers because they mix lie with truth. But you who have been trained, you who have the word of God under your belt, are not going to be easily fooled. Now this week there's a transition from dealing with the false teachers all the way through the book of Jude to you, beloved to you, what God expects of you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us to carve out of our week to gather here corporately to study the Word of God. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak to us today words of truth to each one of our hearts. In a message, you speak differently to each person. You have something here for each one of us. And may we take what you have and apply it to our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember this truth. False teachers have infiltrated the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're all over the place. Jude, verse 4 says this certain men have crept in on notice. And if you remember back when we started this, that on notice was by stealth, undercover, through the side door. You can't really detect them very well. Remember, they set traps, they catch men. Jude has given us extensive instructions on how to spot them. He's given us over and over, this is what they do, this is what they look like, and so we should be able to to spot them. Remember this, there's not enough camouflage that a false teacher has to deceive someone who has been immersed in the Word of God. Please remember that. You might not know chapter and verse of why something's off, but when something's off, your little spiritual ears are going to go, whoa, I need to look this up and confirm that what is being taught is truth. So verse 17 says this, but you, beloved, know the apostles' teaching, know the apostles' teaching, know the word of God, but you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember what you have been taught. It is essential that we are grounded in the word of God. Now, question is this, what is false teaching? Everyone has a different view of what this looks like. The definition. That's which does not line up with what Jesus and the apostles taught in context. There's all kinds of things that are taken out of context today to prove a point. We want to have it in context. What is God teaching us by this section of Scripture? So we must know the Word, and we know what, what the whole church is built on. What is the church built on? It is built on the apostles. The entire church is built on the apostles, the prophets, and Jesus Christ, we said over and over, is the chief cornerstone, the stabilizer of the church. That's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. We must know the apostles' teaching. Now, there's a word that gets thrown around in Christendom all the time. And I bet you are familiar with this word. I have been accused of this. And then when someone calls you a heretic, oh, you're a heretic because you don't believe this, 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 and this. What is heresy? When you look it up, it's not quite what what they say. Well, it's this. uh, To deny a core doctrine of the Christian faith, that would be the first one, but it always means this, to choose contrary to what Jesus and the apostles taught. Now, we have talked about this in the past, and I've given you this illustration and how we can take heresy to such an extreme. Listen to this. Now, you've heard this before, most of you, but some of you haven't. Once I saw this guy on a bridge about to jump. I said, Don't do it. He said, Nobody loves me. I said, God loves you. Do you believe in God? He said, Yes. I said, Are you a Christian or a Jew? He said, A Christian. I said, Me too. Protestant or Catholic? He said, Protestant. I said, Me too. What franchise? He said, Baptist. I said, Me too. Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? He said, Northern Baptist. I said, Me too. "'Northern Conservative Baptist or Norborough liberal Baptist?' And he said, "'Northern Conservative Baptist.'" And I said, "'Me too.' "'Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region "'or Northern Conservative Baptist Eastern Region?' He said, "'Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region.'" And I said, "'Me too.'" Oh, we are on the same page all the way through. "'Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1879 "'or Northern Conservative Baptist Council Regional Council of 1912.'" And he said, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Regional Council of 1912. And I said, die, you heretic. (laughs) And I pushed him over the bridge. Isn't that, I mean, we can agree on so much, but yet you're considered a heretic. It's an astounding thing what people will do if you don't walk lockstep with them. So, let's see, heresy. In the true church, there can be different views on debatable subjects. And it's not heresy. Let's take I'll give you some examples. Eschatology is the study of Jesus return. To be a Christian, you have to believe Jesus is coming back here for us. Okay, that's a basic requirement. However, we don't know if it's pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib and you'll get people in these groups that are millennial, amillennial that will say you don't believe like me, you are a heretic. You are and they'll label you that. That is not so. How about spiritual gifts? Are there speaking in tongues today or not? Are there gifts of healings or not? And people will fight, and if you believe one way you're a heretic, and the other people are pointing the other way, no, you're a heretic. And it goes back and forth. How about eternal security and non-eternal security? That's a big one. Calvinism and Arminianism, and the heresy goes back and forth like gunfire. How about old earth, young earth? There's a lot of debate on that, which I don't think there should be, but there is. Okay? But you must agree. You must agree on the basic tenets of the faith. So what are the essentials? What are the essentials of the faith? They are these. Salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone. No works. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. No works, lest anyone should boast. You have to believe, number two, in the deity of Christ, that Jesus Christ is God. He is God in the flesh. He says in John 8, 24, if you do not believe that I am, the ego am I of Exodus chapter 3, if you don't believe that I am, you will die in your sins. If you don't believe that I am God, you will die in your sins. Thirdly, you have to believe in the resurrection of Christ. Remember, Paul taught in 1 Corinthians 15, 4, without the resurrection, your faith is in vain. How about the virgin birth? Jesus is the God-man. I don't know how this works, but he's 100% God and he's 100% man. Just believe it. Then you have to believe in a trinity, that there's a Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit that are all God. Yet three in one, we worship one God, three personalities within the Godhead. And then Jesus is the only way to God. Folks, there is no other way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. So it is only through Jesus Christ. So what does that make all other world religions? Not true. And this is not popular. This is not popular today because all roads lead to heaven according to the rest of the world. Oh, no. There is one way that leads to heaven, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, false teachers will distort one or more of these areas, and there's a warning throughout Scripture. We've heard the warning many times in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul says, if you anybody, an angel or anybody preaches any other gospel to you, let them be anathema. Let him be accursed. Let him be condemned. Any other God. And he repeats that twice. But also we see in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, that we are not to go beyond what is written. This is the written word. Stick with the written word. Don't go beyond what is written. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2 says this, You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor shall you take away from it. And Proverbs chapter 30, verse 6 says this, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Do not add to his word lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Now, is that politically correct? Is that seeker sensitive? That is the word of God. You know and you must know the apostles' teaching. It's essential to not be deceived because they're so deceptive false teachers. They'll bring in so much truth and then sprinkle it with their lies, and you must be able to discern and not be hooked. Verse 18 and 19, but you, beloved, don't be discouraged by the mockers, and you are Christians today. If you're born again of the Spirit, and you believe in Jesus Christ, you are fervent for your faith, believe me, this is becoming a more uncomfortable environment to live in. And it's been predicted in the verse 18, How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit, not being born again of the Spirit, not being a true Christian. So, mockers. There were mockers then. There were mockers all through the epochs of time. And guess what? There are mockers today. And we're living in a Environment. There's nothing new under the sun, Ecclesiastes 1 9, Solomon says. Now remember this you represent the Lord Jesus Christ. You are what the world sees as far as Christianity is what they see in us. They see us, and most of them don't like us because they consider us to be what? Rigid, intolerant, those types of word. And remember this. Christianity is, is persecuted by every major religion in the world. By Islam, by Hinduism, and guess what? By communism and atheism. Communism is atheism. There are people that die all over the world. But Christians, at least today, now there was the Inquisition and that sort of thing, but at least today, and according to God's teaching, we don't go around and kill other world religions because they don't believe like us but other world religions do that to Christians. That's very common, very common throughout the world. Jesus said, expect this. In John 15, verse 18 through 20, he says, guess what? They persecuted me. They're going to persecute you. He says it very eloquently with these words. If the world hates you, that's a strong word, isn't it? If the world hates you, not just dislikes you, but hates you, You know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. We can expect this to happen. We can expect to be mocked. Don't get all tense when that happens. Actually, you should say, hey, I'm actually representing the Lord Jesus Christ. These people are recognizing that. Don't get all tense about it. Expect your faith to be mocked. Expect it to be degraded. Expect the world system, controlled by Satan, to oppose you. But I want you to remember something. When we are opposed, don't look at that person as being the enemy. Because remember this. Remember, it's kingdoms that are clashing. There are kingdoms that are in conflict here. Ephesians 6.12 says this, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It is not a human-to-human thing that we're dealing with. It looks like it, but it's not. These are kingdoms. These These are principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age. And I want you to remember, everyone that is born into this world is born blind to who God is. God has to open our eyes. God has to take the light of, of who he is, and shine it into our lives for us us to be saved. Satan's goal is to bind the minds of unbelievers. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we've been through this this verse many times, but it says this, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, that the image of God should shine on them. And then Paul says this, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservant for Jesus' sake. For it is God, now listen to this, this happened in your life. If you believe in Jesus Christ, this happened to you. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. He did that at the creation, and he did that in each one of our hearts when we became Christians. Who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Jesus Christ illuminates our minds, takes the blinders off. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32, gives us a little bit more insight in this. It says this, but recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, fastos, the light shine, fatizo, the light shine. You're given the light to believe, the ability to believe. You endured a great struggle with suffering. So God has to take the blinders off. So remember this, please. Plant this in our minds indelibly. No demon, no human can block the light of Christ. No one can block the light of Christ. John nine says this, the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. That's mankind, man and woman. Everybody <coughs> born into the world has the light of Jesus Christ. And in John 8, 12, Jesus said one of the I am statements, I am the light of the world. Whoever comes to me will never walk in darkness but have the light of life. I am the light of the world. The concept is this. Though the light is available to all, we must choose to come to the light. We must choose to come to the light. And the sad thing is this. Though the light has been given to humanity, the sad thing is this the majority don't want the light and they fight against the light and they love the darkness that's the vast majority of humanity John 3:19 through 21 says this this is a sad verse and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men loved darkness loved their sin rather than the light because their deeds were evil for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth. Now, who is the one that does the truth? Those who believe in Jesus Christ comes to the light, and his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. So the darkness must yield to the light. Always remember that principle. The darkness of this age always has to yield to the light. Remember this, though mocked and reviled, though degraded and called ignorant because of your faith, haters, Jesus tells you this, that those who are so vehemently against you, you are the light of the world also. We are reflected light. And what are we to do with our light in Matthew chapter 5? Let our light so shine before men. Don't hide it. Don't hide it. Let it shine before men so they can see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. That's our duty. That's our job. But they walk according to their own lust, it says in verse 18. They cause divisions. They don't have the Spirit of God. But you remember the apostles' teaching. You remember what you've been taught. And no matter what the culture does, no matter how vehemently they will oppose our message, this is how we are to stand. And it is found in 1 Corinthians 16, 13. And you know this because we've been through it a lot of times. Watch. Stand fast in the faith. You be brave. You be strong. You represent the Lord Jesus Christ. You are the only hope of this world. You have a life-saving message that we must give, even though it is very contrary to the world that we're living in. We have a life-saving message. Jesus loves you. This I know. It's really that simple. He loves you and wants you to be part of his family. So you, beloved, do not, please, do not be discouraged by the mockers. Know that the the, the more successful you are and the closer you are to God and the more your message is possibly changing lives. See, God has to change the hearts and the minds but you're joining God where he is at work, the more the enemy is going to be against you and the more mocking you will receive. So when you receive a whole bunch of mocking, you know that you are a danger to the enemy. You will know that for sure. Verse 20 and 21, but you, beloved, you have an obligation. We have an obligation to the world around us. Verse 20 and 21, but you, beloved, Building yourself. Now, please notice these three things that we are responsible for as Christians. You, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, and keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. We have three responsibilities. Protection from apostates come in these three areas. Okay? Three areas. First of all, you build yourself up in the faith. Now, notice it is incumbent upon you to do that. We are the yous, okay? It is you It is us. Individually, we must do this. It's not up to your dad, although we have responsibilities in families. It's not up to your pastor, all those are responsible. It's up to the individual. It's not up to your grandma, your grandpa, your friends. It's on you. Now, you must know sound teaching. You must know it in context. And hear this. There are no shortcuts to building yourself up in anything. Okay? You want to get physically fit, there are no shortcuts. You want to lose weight, there are no shortcuts. You have to take in less calories than your, you have to take in less calories than what you're burning, and you will lose weight. It's just that simple. And it's the same thing in the emotional realm, the spiritual realm, it will take work. It's called this, this very uncomfortable word, discipline. Oh, <laughs> most, yes, discipline, <laughs> commitment, priority. You just have to do it. In the spirit realm, you just got to set time aside for Jesus every day and be in his word. You have to do this. It's called discipline. But guess what? The excuses come in all shapes and sizes, don't they? And what's the, what, do, what do you hear from time to time? I'm not getting anything out of this. I'm not getting anything out of this. I don't have time for this. Ever had that one? I don't have time for this. It's too hard, or the crescendo of all, when you start out on January with your exercise program, and I'm really going to do it because I gained 20 pounds over this Christmas season, with cookies down your throat every five seconds, and I'm really going to work out, and before you know it, what do these words come out of your uh, in your brain? I don't feel like it today. And that is the road to failure. I don't feel like it. Forget your feelings. You just have to do it. That's called discipline. Do it. Build yourself up in the most holy faith. But what else do we have to build ourselves up with? He says you must pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit. What is Holy Spirit guided prayer? What is this? It's in line with the Holy Spirit. And I will suggest to you, if you are praying in line with the Spirit of God, in connection with the Spirit of God, this dismantles Satan's schemes. Remember in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, he has his schemes, his methodia, his tactics that he uses on humans so successfully. You dismantle those schemes when you pray in the Spirit. Pray, it says in Ephesians 6:18, part of our spiritual warfare weaponry, I believe is praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. In the Spirit. Not self-directed prayer. Not give me that thing prayer. Not my agenda prayer. Not my wishes prayer. But praying in the Spirit according to the will of God. That's how we pray. Pray in the Spirit. And it takes discipline to do this, doesn't it? You, you try setting yourself time aside to pray. Immediately, you're thinking about something else going on in your day immediately there's something that's going to come in to try to distract you from what you are doing. It takes discipline. Do it. Do it. We must do it. Praying in the Spirit. We wrestle in prayer. And we wrestle in prayer for the needs of others. This is a spiritual warfare, folks. Remember, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's spiritual warfare. These are kingdoms and principalities and powers that are trying to inhibit us. We wrestle for the needs of our loved ones. Don't ever give up. Don't ever give up on your loved ones. On your friends, the world. God, I want your will in this situation. Sometimes you want to know where in the world do you want me to work, Lord? Who do you want me to marry, Lord? What school am I supposed to go to? Where am I supposed to live? What am I supposed to do? Your will, God, not my will. Your will, God, not my will. Praying in the Spirit. And thirdly, keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep God central. Now, how do we do this? Well, you have to have God at the forefront of your mind. At the forefront of your mind. Throughout your day, remember God. What do we say in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16? Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Isn't that something? For this is God's will in Christ Jesus concerning you. That's how we have to keep. Pray continually. Keep God at the forefront of your mind all through the day. Okay? forefront of our day. start your day with Christ, in your day with Christ. walk through him with through your day with Christ. start your day with Jesus, walk through it enter your in your day with Jesus. remember it's all true. Jesus is coming back. This message is true. it's all true and he's coming back for us and I'll tell you that changes your perspective folks. It changes your perspective. Jesus loves me and he is coming for me. Now that's our belief. That's our obligations to ourselves, but in verses 22 and 23, we see we have obligation to others. This is interesting. Watch this, verse 22 and 23. On some, and on some have compassion, making a distinction. Now you might have in your margin here. This is talking about doubters, okay? But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Hmm. Now, first of all, if you're going to be engaged at taking someone out of the fire, if you're going to be engaged with doubters, you better be built up in the most holy faith. You better be praying in the Spirit. You better be going through your day keeping yourselves in the love of God. Have compassion on doubters. Let me ask you this question. Who hasn't wondered if this isn't if this is all real has that ever crossed your mind I bet it has if you're a human it's you're go, is this you have those moments is this all real is this really true doubt can creep in especially especially in a culture that is being inundated with false information in our technological age 24 7 24 7 believe the lies Stuff that's contrary to Christianity, coexist. It's on the bumper stickers. It's all over everything. Coexist. Coexist. We want to exist peacefully, but we cannot coexist and say and affirm there's another way to God besides Jesus Christ. We can never do that. We can never compromise that. And that makes the world not like us. But that's the way it is. Now, you ever think about this? Is Jesus real? Is the Bible true? Is Christianity really the only way to God? Is there really a heaven and a hell? All And sometimes you think about, are these all myths? Is this all fairy tale? Was Christianity a copycat religion? You'll hear that. You'll hear that. Many, many have doubts, and perhaps you have had them. Well, join the club, okay? Join the club. When doubt creeps in, simply go back to the basics. You might want to jot this down. The basics of the faith. Look at This is all historically true. Jesus is a real person. I didn't want to say was a real person because he still lives. He still exists. He is a real person. This is historically validated. There's no one, no matter how atheistic they are, when they do the research on Jesus Christ, he really lived. The real Jesus Christ. All kinds of people called Jesus. His name was like Smith. Okay, everybody was a smith. Well, this Jesus Christ is the real Jesus Christ, historically validated. And Jesus really did miracles. That was historically validated. All kinds of historians have validated this. Jesus really died on a cross. Again, not just the Bible, but historically validated. And guess what? Jesus' tomb was really empty and they did a massive search of the city and could not find his body that's historically validated that's historically validated but what else happened jesus was was actually seen after the resurrection by many many people many many people again this is validated in scripture but these people have credence to what they are saying because they believe this all the way to their death, and many of them were tortured and and said, recant on this and you will live, and they didn't do it. They believed to the death. And guess what? Jesus' brothers and sisters who thought he was stone cold crazy believed in him after the resurrection. Something changed. Something happened in their lives. And also remember this. Whenever you're thinking about is this all real, besides the life of Jesus, which should confirm it in anybody, but listen to this the Bible is the only holy book on earth that has fulfilled prophecy. No other holy book has even one. Islam tries to claim one, but it's not a real one. Not one. Something that was predicted in the past, and there's hundreds of these in Scripture, and came and were fulfilled, came to fruition exactly as predicted. When we study the book of Daniel, you'll see that Daniel is being, the book of Daniel is being impugned as being written after the fact, because there are so many predictions that are going to happen that came to fruition. Oh no, Daniel was written before all this stuff happened. And guess what, we start Daniel next week, so... That's Daniel. So remember this. There's always this tendency to doubt the true God. But I want to share with you a verse, and it's Isaiah chapter 41. And, and hopefully you have written this down or marked it in your Bible as, as some significant point for you. Because God is speaking here. And God is talking about idols and and what is who are real gods. So it's Isaiah chapter 41, verse 21. This is God speaking, talking about the futility of idols. Present your case, says the Lord. Bring forth your strong reasons, says the king of Jacob. Let them bring forth and show us what will happen. Let them show the former things what they are, that we may consider them. And know the latter end of them, or watch this, or declare to us the things to come. Have your false imaginary God predict something that is going to come. There's zero, zero that have been able to do this. Show the things that are to come hereafter, that we may know that you are gods, little g. Yes, do good or do evil, that we may be dismayed. See it together. Indeed, this is what God says about all these false gods. He doesn't equivocate. Okay, this is not politically correct. Watch what he says. Indeed, you are nothing and your work is nothing, and he who chooses you are an abomination. That is how God views it. That is how God views In verse 29, he says this, Indeed, they are all worthless. Their works are nothing. Their molded images are wind and confusion. They have nothing of truth to offer. They are an abomination. They are an abomination. No other God has is like our God. They are all false gods, demons. Now, listen, doubters need only to honestly look at the evidence. All you have to do is look at the evidence with an open mind. John, Mac- Josh McDonald says this concerning Jesus and the centrality of Christianity. Look at Jesus, either a liar, remember, we, we went through this, a lunatic, or he is Lord. One of those three things. Now. I want to suggest to you when you're dealing with doubters, what not to do without with doubters. Do not do this. okay? Even though you might want to do this, <laughs> don't do this. Don't criticize, censor, belittle, be judgmental, be harsh, severe, walk around with a spiritual pride attitude that I have the right way and you have the wrong way. Or, or this one what in the world is wrong with you? How come you're not getting this like I got it, okay? Remember, it's between them and God, and please hear this, you cannot beg, you cannot plead, you cannot manipulate or coerce someone into believing this message. It is an act of God in the heart of the individual that he opens the heart, he opens the the mind of us. And Paul realized this and. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he just finishes dealing with the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. And he's in these big debates with these guys about the wonders of life and all the, the wisdom of, of, of the world. And he gets to Corinth, and he realizes that all of his wonderful arguments are, are have not accomplished anything. And he says this, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you. I wasn't trying to be a big cerebral elite, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the message we bring, the gospel message. It's just that simple. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. In other words, I wasn't coming to you very arrogant. I was coming to you in that posture. And my speech and my preaching, my caruso, heralding truth, were not with Persuasive words of human wisdom, but in a demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith should not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. It is God who changes the hearts and minds. We cannot beg, plead, coerce, manipulate someone into the family of God. That is between them and God. So, that's for the doubters. There's another group. There's another group that is mentioned here. What about those caught up with the false teachers that have been swayed by the cults, so to speak? Or those of uh, who at one time had a belief, had a belief in the faith, but then they've kind of drifted away. They've been caught up in the web of deceit. They've been caught up in a in, in a cult type situation. How do you deal with these? Well, these you do what you can to rescue them from their clutches. And it says here, pulling them out of the fire. That's intense. That's a fireman going into the flames and pulling them out. This is an aggressive action, okay? Literally, it's an aggressive. You're saving them from hell. Their garments have been defiled. Their garments are defiled by the flesh. This takes great effort, aggressive action. Again, you cannot make someone change, but you're giving it your all-out best, okay? Your all-out best. You know where you were. You know where the truth was. But there's a huge caution in this. Now, please hear this caution. Pulling them out with fear. With fear. What does that mean? That you don't get contaminated by their sin while you're trying to rescue them. Okay, you can get so immersed in what they're believing that you can get trapped in the whole thing. So don't go to their meetings. Don't get so involved in checking them out that you're starting to be swayed. You don't become like them, become overly curious to order to win them back. You can guard yourself. Don't become part of their world and attempt to rescue them. Don't and listen to this. Don't think that you're I- immune to deception. Don't think that you're Superman or Wonder Woman and think deception can't happen to you. Look at anybody can be deceived. We just have to realize, don't put yourself in that situation. Don't get too close. Guard your mind. Guard your life. Joshua 23, which we just finished on a couple weeks ago on our Tuesday night, said this eloquently to the nation of Israel who is going in and is going to have to deal with all these false gods. Listen to what he says. Therefore, be very courageous, That is the posture of the believer, very courageous, to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Know what the Bible teaches. Lest you turn aside from it to the right or to the left, lest you're drawn away, (laughs) lest you go among these nations, these who remain among you, you shall not mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them, nor bow down to them but you shall hold fast to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. You don't mention them. You don't get close to them. You don't have anything. And he's warning the nation of Israel about this. And in verse 12, or verse 11, he says this, therefore take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. May nothing distract from that. Nothing. That you love the Lord your God or else if indeed you go back And you cling to the remnants of these nations. See, there's an attraction there. There's an attraction. There's always these false gods have attractions. They want to suck you in. And there's something in our flesh and our being that is attracted to that. Don't go back to these nations. Cling to them. These that remain among you and make marriages with them. Don't get too close to them and go into them that... And you go into them. Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. If you go back, they shall be snares to you, traps to you, scourges in your sides, and listen to this one: thorns in your eyes. That's bad stuff, isn't it? That's don't go near them. That is the warning. Guard your mind and guard your heart. Don't get too close to the world's idols. They are attractive and they will suck you in. Verse 24 and 25, but you, beloved, and I think this is the most important part, but you, beloved, know what God will do for you. Now you listen to this. Please hear this. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Big thing. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. Amen. Jude closes this whole section on false teachers, warning after warning after warning, with praise to God. Glory to God. Listen, implant this deeply in our minds. Know God will keep you safe. Know that. Know it in your heart. K-N-O, know it in your heart. Philippians 1.6 that he began a good work and you were carried on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He will get you home. And know this, know that God will keep you from stumbling and falling. No false teacher can make a true believer fall. Hear that. The word for stumbling or falling is aptastios, but it comes from the root word called patio, P-T-A-I-O, and it means to fail of salvation. This is so important. God will keep those who are genuine believers, genuine believers, genuine believers, okay? Make sure we have that. From falling, from failing at salvation. That is an, a, He will keep you from stumbling. He will save you to the very end. And know that God views you as faultless. Now look at we're not faultless. We're pathetic. But we are faultless before a holy God because Jesus' righteousness has been credited to the believer, not to the unbeliever, to the believer. So well, that's how he views us. He presents you faultless, without blame, perfect, justified is the word, is the, is the theological word. Know this. You will one day, this will happen to you individually. You're not going to go in a group. You're going to be individual. You will stand before God and give an account of your life. And only believers out of all this earth, only believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, will stand before God faultless or stand before the Lord Jesus faultless in the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And it's all because of Jesus. It is nothing that we have brought to this thing. Nothing. We simply believed the message. It's all because of Jesus. Now hear this. Unbelievers are going to be judged and condemned. That's the tragedy of tragedies. It need not be. It need not be. But listen, we will stand before God, and just imagine this one day. You'll stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. I think you're just going to be blown away. Mercy Me wrote the song, and you know what it is. I can only imagine. Just a few words. I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when you face to face is before me. I can only imagine. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence or my knees? Will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. I don't know what that's going to be like. But I I would suspect that in the presence of all God's glory, we are just going to be speechless. Thank you that I'm here. Thank you, God. You saved me. And it's all because of God's amazing love and mercy. Know that all the glory goes to Jesus Christ, our Savior, who alone is wise. 1 Timothy 1.17, Paul says this so eloquently. He says this, Now to him, but now unto unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In heaven, in heaven, in in, in, uh, Revelation chapter 4 and Revelation chapter 5, we are before the throne of God saying all glory and all honor and all power. We are the church. We are pictured there giving glory to God while we are in heaven before his throne. All glory goes to him. This is our God, folks. This is our Savior. Lord Jesus, the Savior of the world, sovereign ruler over all creation, forever and ever and ever God reigns. Forever we have all joy, and it's all because of Jesus. And just think, this is real. Forever we will be with him. Forever. Take comfort and know what God will do for you. God will keep you safe. Conclusion. But you, beloved, but you, don't be fooled by the false teachers. That's the message of the whole thing of Jude. But you, build yourself up in the holy faith. But you have compassion on the doubters on those who are deceived. Pull them out of the fire and never forget God is the one who keeps you from stumbling. But you, beloved, as you walk through this time called your life, this little thing, this little, life is but a vapor, here for a moment and gone. This time called your life, never forget, God is greater than any threat, any giant any fear, anything is greater than anything. David Guzik says this, There is a serious deception in the world, and often among those called Christians. There are enemies of the gospel who have infiltrated the church. Yet despite the greatness of the threat, God is greater still. He wins, and if we will stay with him, we are guaranteed victory also. Jude is a book full of warnings, but it closes with supreme confidence in God, Dangerous times should make us trust in a mighty God. But you, beloved, let these words be your battle cry. Remember Richard Allen Farmer with these words, I will trust in the Lord until I die. God is truly trustworthy. This is our farewell to the book of Jude. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this time that you've given us to study this book. And Lord, it has been an interesting study, and it has been a fruitful study. And it has taught us how to navigate through these troubled waters called our life in dealing with the false teachers and the false ways that we are inundated with. And Lord, may we not go off the path to the right or to the left. But may we hear your words. This is the way. Walk in it. For those who have deviated from the truth, oh God, please save them. Oh, God, please do your miraculous work in their lives. And, Lord, if it's at all possible, you can use us in this process. Help us to pull them out of the fire. It is by your strength that that happens, Lord. We don't have the words. We don't have the ability to do any of that. But you've chosen to use us to be a mouthpiece, to be your representative, to be your ambassador. And may we do that when it is appropriate at your timing As you create the change, Lord, help us to join you where you're working and pull them out of the fire. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're with us all the way to the end and that you will get us home safely. Thank you, Lord. We rest in that. In Jesus' name, amen.